0: Learn the most advanced recruiting techniques. Land the most desirable talent. Launch your company towards massive success. This is the Higher Power Radio Show with Rick Girard.
1: Why hiring through the pandemic is a strong indicator of an innovative business. I'm Rick Girard and welcome to the Hire Power Radio Show. We help entrepreneurs and hiring managers solve difficult hiring challenges by providing solutions to your most challenging hiring problems. We share insights from top performing rebel entrepreneurs, disruptors, and industry experts like our guest today, Mr. Jay Conner. Recognized as an early thought leader in collective impact, Jay is the founder and CEO of Learning Ovation. The mission of Learning Innovations is to have all students reading at or above grade level by the end of 3rd grade. Jay is a C-suite officer with two separate Fortune 500 corporations has extensive leadership experience in business, nonprofit, and policy areas, which is what makes Jay the perfect guest for today's topic. Jay, welcome to the Higher Power Radio show. Hey Rick, it's
0: just a joy to be here today.
1: It's a pleasure to have you. One of these days I'll get my mouth working I've only been doing this for 4 years and I still botch <laughs> up the intros. It's kind on my trademark now. Good. Today, we're going to be discussing a few things. We're going to talk about why you should be hiring now. And then we're going to go into how do you evaluate your business and learn how to skate to the puck. We're going to talk a little about hockey today. Exactly, Rick. Right. Let's talk about the challenge. And if you don't mind, share a little bit of your story as to what puts you in the position of thinking, hey, look, at, we need to be the people who are hiring right now, as opposed to just maintaining the status quo.
0: Well, I think probably for context, the best contextual issue is the fact that we're in early elementary education and almost everybody knows that that has been tremendously impacted all the way from do we close schools, don't we close schools back in the March-April timeframe, to now the question is do we open schools or don't we open schools? And the whole impact that it's had on parents and adults in terms of kids being home, kids being in the school. So we're just right there on the cusp, if you will, of some very important thinking about how do we respond to COVID. And I think by being there, it's pretty. much allowed us to understand we were either going to sink or we were going to swim in terms of how we responded to the pandemic. As I've done in lots of other different business situations is you look at a crisis or you look at an issue facing you and you either had one way to do is hunker down or just go and figure out where the opportunity is in the midst of that change. And whenever you focus on where the opportunity is, is that you really are forcing yourself to think in much different ways. And that's really what we've been very successful at and why we're in a situation to be able to hire people now.
1: This pandemic has definitely made us all think that we really need to pivot first and really evaluate your business and really look into the fact that, do I have the right people on the bus? A lot of companies have had to eliminate people. But then as you go through the restructuring, you learn, hey, look at maybe I didn't have the right people in the right seat. And now you have the opportunity to make sure those people are either in a different seat or find the right people for that seat.
0: Absolutely, Rick. And to some extent, you almost even have to ask, are these the right seats to have on this bus? Yeah. You know, so It almost goes back to that preliminary piece. And when we were confronted with the pandemic, and this is even before the PPP opportunity from Congress to help us maintain the workforce, is we went through a person-by-person review, department-by-department review in terms of, are these the best folks? Are these the best ways of organizing our work to move forward into this unknown space? So we started at that review.
1: You had the luxury to be able to do that, which a lot of us were heads down just thinking, okay, well, this isn't going to turn into anything really significant. I think a lot of us got caught with, their pants down. Yeah, I think so.
0: And I think some of it is that you realize that you're almost wishful thinking when you make the alternative in terms of what's going to be the easiest resolution. I think what you almost have to force yourself to do is what would be the hardest resolution? What would be the worst case scenario? And then begin to say, well, what if that plays out? I think that forces you to not get into that hunkering down environment is that you really think back, boy, this could be much worse. We don't know what it's going to play out. We know that the last time there was a pandemic, it lasted for a year and a half. What do we know now that why it would only last for a couple of weeks? It's much better if you plan for the worst, because if the worst doesn't happen, there's no downside. If you plan plan for the best and the worst happens, you've wasted a lot of energy and perhaps prevented yourself from responding to that worst.
1: That is very true. We've gone through the phase already where a lot of people have been forced to pivot. What are the challenges that you're seeing in your business right now that are maybe hindering or helping you to find more people?
0: Well, in terms of finding more people, I think that the very first thing is what you started out, Rick, is you're going to make that assessment. The folks on the bus, how are we doing? And then the next question, that i think you need to ask is are these the right questions you should be asking are these the right position descriptions that you should be recruiting against because a profile of a person that would have been very appropriate six months ago might not at all be the profile and the skill set or the competency that you're going to be looking for going forward and a lot of times we allow ourselves strategically to move forward but all of our administrative and all of our tactical things stay back where we were and so i think it's very important to make sure that you're aligning yourself with what is the strategy? And then are you sure all of those enabling kind of heavy lips? Writing position descriptions is nobody's way of spending a weekend, but it's a very important way to think through, am I going to get the people that align up with where we want to go?
1: God, I wish I would have gotten that memo years ago because I spend my weekends writing <laughs> position descriptions all the time. You brought up a really good point there, which is we've almost been forced to take a step back and actually be more strategic which is good. As a business, now you need to start thinking, where does this business need to be a year from now? And like you said, plan for the worst, evaluate, and then hire for that person that you need to have a year from now and let them grow. The other thing is, I think a lot of us entrepreneurs, we have a need that needs to be filled. And so we go after that need, that one person. We're looking for somebody who's done exactly what you need them to do. Nobody wants to do that. I have this conversation all the time. Why would I want to go take a job with your company doing the same exact work that I'm doing right now for less pay? They'll go do it in an Amazon because they'll get a nice health the raise and salary, but there's really no reason to hire, let somebody grow into the role, let somebody rise to the occasion, they're going to perform and you're going to just get a much higher quality of work out of them.
0: Absolutely. And you know, Rick, the way I think you can do that We certainly are a small business, so we certainly have to look at that. How can we be most strategic and opportunistic? Is that you look across your spectrum and say, what are the competencies that we have to add? What do we need to have that we don't have right now? And then as you're looking at that person that, boy, I hope they grow into this role, you're kind of protecting your downside to say, but at least I'm bringing in these competencies that I didn't have before. And any position that you look at, whether you're talking about a marketing position, sales position, a software development position. They all have a range of skill sets. So if you're filling out your capacity, your competencies, like a baseball manager thinking about, okay, do I have the kind of defensive players that I need on the field? And at the same time, that right balance of offensive players, then you're able to bring somebody in that might not have the full experience of accomplishing. They've not done a nationwide marketing campaign before, but they're doing much better knowledge of social media than you ever had in the company before. So you're able to buy yourself that additional time for them to grow into the position because they're filling in capacity that you didn't have.
1: Why is this important to other entrepreneurs to look at it from this perspective?
0: I think the main speaking, having done a number of entrepreneurial startups and then coaching and teaching in terms of entrepreneurism is We tend to think about it as the entrepreneur. We tend to think about it as us. And as soon as we can get to thinking about it as we or as them, and what are the things that I need to support myself with, is the faster that you can move from an entrepreneurial enterprise to a real business. And it really is, how do you move yourself? That's not saying that you're not important. That's not saying that you're not valuable, but you are just one of. And how do you move yourself to that as quickly as possible? Because that's where your opportunity is going to be.
1: And that's always where the sticking point is with a lot of us entrepreneurs is that we want perfection. We want to have it done right. And we think we have the only right answer. Realize that you don't and allow other people to do it as well. Exactly. You're listening to the Higher Power Radio Show. I'm Rick Gerard, your host. And for our podcast listeners, we're going to take a quick educational moment from our sponsors. Check out stridesearch.com. There you'll find additional content and resources to help you land great hires. Today, our guest is Jay Connor. He is the founder and CEO of Learning Ovation. We're talking about why it's important to hire now. We just covered a little bit about why it's important to your business. Jay and I talked on the phone. We always do a prep call beforehand. Jay had this Wayne Gretzky quote, which was one of my favorite quotes, but I'll let you go into it. And let's talk about why that's been something that you incorporated into your business.
0: Well, even we're touching a little bit on it in the first half. Rick, and that is the sense that as you look at a crisis, a pandemic, or whatever, and you're trying to say, okay, what is it going to look like on the other side? How do I get ourselves, our organization, best prepared to understand the market, understand the opportunity once this pandemic gets behind us? It reminded me, and I think it's very analogous to the Wayne Gretzky quote, great hockey player, that they ask him, how is he always anticipating and being right where he needs to be? And he says, I to where the puck is going to be, not to where the player is hitting the puck. And I think that's so much what we as good, strong business people need to do is we need to anticipate, okay, in education, the field that I'm focused at right now, what are going to be the impacts of this coronavirus? How is it going to play off with homeschooling, with remote education, distance learning and that? And then if it's successful, if it's successful, then I apologize for that. (laughs) Happens to the best of us. I thought I had
1: silenced it before. I apologize. Shame on you, Jay. Does that? Oh, I know. Doesn't that happen way
0: too often? Oh, my God. I can't get it
1: quiet. Happens to the best of us. I apologize. It's all good. Good break and good laugh.
0: Yep, exactly. So that is the point in terms of envisioning where the industry, your market is going to be so that then you're setting up structures and recruiting people that are going to succeed in that market next year, not in the market that you knew or you understood from last year.
1: So you're evaluating where the opportunity is going to be as opposed to what it is now, especially what it was before. Exactly. How does one do this? How do, you, how do you actually force yourself to ask, where is this opportunity going?
0: First of all, assuming that you really know your industry and know the constraints that are in it, you're putting yourself in your customers' and your marketplace's shoes. If they're confronted with what you're seeing in your reality, imagine that it's now multiplied, magnified to the people that you're trying to serve. And so you can do it in old classic kind of marketing terms. You can pick up the phone and call somebody and say, What are you seeing at your level, point of view? You can also look at it in terms of the Things that you were working on. Usually, those things that you're identifying as technological differences, branding or marketing positioning or whatever, are probably considered looking towards the future. So then the question is do we double down on that future that we perceived or has that future changed? And so you begin to have that conversation with the momentum that you had already established. And that allows you to bring your existing employees on board to this new reality. If you make Get a complete break point and just think, oh, I see what's over the horizon. I'm going to race there. And you don't think about how do you connect that to the work that people had already been doing, why this change is important. You can lose the very people that are going to get you to that future. So I think in many ways, it's understanding what has changed, why it's changed, and then try to connect it with momentums or directions that you're already going to have instead of people having this sense. And adults really react very badly to, oh my God, this is completely different than what we thought it was before. And they tend to then just go home and cry. Whereas if you say, boy, this is an opportunity for us to do what we were gonna do, but do it that much faster or do it with this kind of result in the marketplace, you now have people leaning into it. They already say, ah, this isn't that different. This is just a propulsion or this is just a clarity about what we were working on before. Because no matter how clear your vision of what that future is, it's your team that's going to carry you there. And so your team has to be the ones that see it in the sense of how it connects to where they were to where you want to go.
1: And how that translates into the hiring process is that you have a tremendous opportunity right now. People are taking calls from me that normally would not Be taking calls. I get callbacks. So people are unsure. And if they don't see that their current company is hiring, they don't know what's going to happen next. And communication is pretty poor across the board with a lot of companies. You have such a clear advantage in being able to say, hey, number one, I'm hiring and we should talk. People who normally you wouldn't be able to open up a conversation with are returning calls, are talking right now. Absolutely. There's the opportunity. You don't get this kind of an opportunity very often, especially in a strong market, which is what we came out of the first quarter. Of this year.
0: Absolutely, Rick. I'll testify to that just in a current search that we have right now, a vice president of product search. The candidates that we're talking to are beyond what we would have expected to be able to have, even know who we are, or even respond to our posts. So you're absolutely right. There's people that are now, I think, responding to organizations that are continuing to move and grow because they're looking around in their present organization and saying, my gosh, this seems like status, but the world doesn't seem status yeah and so i think you've got at the beginning of the pandemic, probably most of the people that we saw were just hunkered down. They were not even thinking about job changes. Well, why would I change jobs in this kind of upsy-down, topsy-turvy world? Where now we're seeing a much different response. We're seeing an attraction to those new jobs, those companies that are distinguishing themselves because they have opportunity. Because they might be more familiar with organizations that see a smaller set of opportunities in the future. and so. So just the fact that you're in the market right now has allowed you to increase not only your visibility, but probably the pool of talent you're going to attract.
1: Just don't get cocky, though, as an entrepreneur and start making the mistake of having a bad hiring process because that's going to turn people off. Absolutely. People are going to evaluate opportunities with more scrutiny today. They just are. They're going to make a move. They haven't been laid off. They're going to make a move. They need to know 100% what's in it for them is more important now today than it ever has been
0: absolutely. And that then circles back to the point Rick you were making before is that that search committee that you have of your leads of your team that you want to do it is incumbent upon them to have that real clarity about what that future picture is because they're the ones that are going to be attracting that new person to the team. And if they're saying, well, I know we're hiring, but I'm not quite sure why, then you're going to close a lot of doors. But if it's your team that's involved in the recruiting process and they're saying, "Oh my god, this is just so exciting what we're doing, you're creating that kind of propulsion of saying, why wouldn't you go with this new company?
1: You do need the right tools in place to be able to do this. Would you mind sharing what you're doing differently that's getting people to engage with you?
0: We talked about seeing what that opportunity is. And then we've also talked about in terms of knowing what has to be in place to deliver it. So those are two very key pieces. And I think the next one is really along the lines of you can't start from scratch in terms of a recruiting and hiring process if you don't have a good people process already in place. And so it's also a time for you to sit back and really reflect in terms of do people really have a good sense of their evaluations, a good sense of the work that they're doing, and can they then carry that forward? So I think as you're going into that recruiting process, you should also be reflecting on, do we have the kind of organization that is going to stand for and allow somebody coming on board to be attracted to you? So it has a lot to do with what is your evaluation process, has a lot to do with what your even your 90 days goals are. If you said, we're going to recruit you, and then we're going to have a 90 90-day test period, what do you do at the end of the 90 days? Is that what I do with every single one of the people that we've recruited to this organization is I take that as an opportunity to get on either an email or call them on the phone and say, I am so glad that you've been so successful with this 90-day trial and are so looking forward to the contributions that you can make going forward. And then again, drive, crystallize, what it is that we're trying to accomplish and why their addition is so important to that.
1: During that 90-day period too, it's really important that you build some accountability into play. We even put those in the job descriptions where you do performance metrics for the first 90 days. If you can define those out, I talk about it quite often, but if you can define those out, again, you become that much more attractive to the person that you're trying to hire because you've sat down and thought about it and it doesn't take that much time to do. You can do it in 15 minutes. You can put together performance metrics. Again, make sure they're measurable, not just, hey, learn this and do this. You've got to have some metrics involved with it. But the fact of the matter is, then you know whether or not you have a successful hire. Then that call from you, I'm sure, is a welcome call. I'm sure they're like, great, I made it past. <laughs> exactly,
0: absolutely. I think to some extent, Rick, we might have a little bit of leg up in the sense that our mission is, how do we get more and more children reading at grade level? So therefore, we've really seen set a criterion. We know how to measure that. We know our accomplishment towards that. So then as we start relaying that in terms of employee evaluations, in terms of employee matrices, we know that there needs rigor to that. Otherwise, you're just kind of guessing. Otherwise, it becomes a popularity contest versus are they really contributing and pushing the company forward? So I can't agree with you more in terms of that sense of having real clarity about what it is that you want people to do. And if you can't measure it, you probably shouldn't go ahead and hire the person. Because if you can't measure progress, it's probably not somebody you need to have on board.
1: Sounds like you're saying that if you can't actually tie it to the business objectives, that is not a good performance metric. Exactly. That's a really good point, because I think we set performance metrics that aren't tied to the business. When you evaluated your team, let's go over that really quickly. What were the steps you went through to evaluate your team to figure out whether or not you had right people in the right seat?
0: The first thing is that, again, remember, right at the beginning of COVID, we didn't know whether there was going to be governmental help. We didn't know what that landscape was going to look like. So I was really confronted with, I knew how much working capital I had. I knew how many months I could keep the door open. The question that I needed to have at that stage was, can I justify for what we needed to accomplish all the roles that we had there? There were several roles that we could just not justify, either in terms of performance or in terms of the value add that we were getting by having that role. So I think, you know, to some extent, you should always have that as constantly on your mind. Are you able to justify those roles as you try to move forward? And so we probably were close to 10 plus percent of the folks that we said, boy, we just really can't justify moving forward. And so that became that first decision. And then the next decision became came. Now, what kind of resources do we need as we're responding to this changed environment? I probably wouldn't have had the ability to recruit or to bring on those different resources if I hadn't gone through that first process in terms of saying, am I sure that the people that are presently with us are actually going to be the ones that are going to get us to success?
1: That's a great point. We're getting pretty close on time, Jay. What would you say would be two or three key takeaways that you can give the audience that can plug into their business today?
0: The first one, it's never too late to pivot. Right now, if you've spent the last four or five months hunkering down, what I would really say is you can still sit down and say, you now have a probably much better sense of what the future is going to be for your organization than I had back in the early June time frame. So that's an advantage. Take advantage of that. Yeah. Don't feel, oh my God, I didn't respond or I didn't act. Just Just act. Go ahead and do that. So that would be the first one. It's never too late to pivot. And I think the last one is that whole thing of taking that honest appraisal of the team is that you are not being a bad person by asking the fact is that, are we building the best team? When somebody decides that, boy we have to go out on the free agent market and find a new second baseman, you're not a bad person. You're responding to what are the things that we need to do to be a successful team? I think those are the two things that I would say is be really clear on the folks being there as being those that can help the organization as a whole be most successful and never be afraid to pivot.
1: And that takes us to the end of our show. Jay, thanks so much for your time and investment today. And I want to welcome you to the Higher Power Radio community. What would be the best way in which members of our audience can find your company and reach you?
0: I would love folks to look at our website, which is learningovations, L-E-A-R-N-I-N-G-O-V-A-T-I-O-N-S.com. And then we have lots of availability on Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn as well. So we just love to hear from folks.
1: I want to thank our listening audience for tuning in to this week's episode of Higher Power. quick thanks to our team, Christopher Decker, Andrea Ballen, and Ayla Gerard. If you're listening to the podcast, please subscribe, review, and share. Hit the like button. We welcome your feedback, by the way. We take it into consideration. We try to make the show better for you every episode. You can join the Higher Power Radio community at higher, H-I-R-E, power, P-O-W-E-R, radio, dot com, or you can drop me a line at RicketstrideSearch.com. Tune in next week. Our guest is going to be Bradley Clark. Bradley is his co-founder and product strategist strategy of rec text. I'm your host, Rick Girard, and you have been listening to the Higher Power Radio Show. Aloha.
0: Thank you for listening to Higher Power Radio. Catch our LinkedIn live show every Tuesday at noon or download the podcast on iHeartRadio, iTunes,
1: YouTube, or your favorite podcast
0: platform. We appreciate you joining us on Higher Power Radio with your guide to recruitment
1: success. Rick Girard.